let's begin. Um, we are in Jude, and what Jude has done is he, he is just absolutely railing on, on, uh, on these false teachers and just really giving it to them. He says, he says in verse 16, These are grumblers finding, uh, finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. Now, remember, these were the beginnings of the Gnostics. Uh, these, these, were, these were educated people. The, these false teachers were educated people. They were, the, in their own mind, they were the intellectually enlightened uh, so these are not, you know, fly-by-night sort of people. These were the ones that really thought that they had it all together. These were the intellectually enlightened. And, and uh, um, these were the cultural elites. And, and uh, that's who they were. So um, then let's start reading in verse 17 in Jude. Verse 17. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously, for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. So he says in verse 17, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells us to remember. He says to remember their words. Remember that which was spoken by the apostles. This is the instruction to us. So he has he is just railed forth with judgment. He's railed forth with judgment upon, uh, upon these people, upon, upon these false teachers. And now what he's doing is he is, he is uh, coming in and he is saying, but for you, this is what you ought to do. This is what you are to do. Uh, you have to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember their words. To remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember fundamentally the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is really important. Remember what the apostles have taught us. The scriptures are our life. They are our life. They instruct us. They teach us. And what happens is, as so many believers go through their life without really capitalizing on the power of the words of God that are shared with us through the Scriptures. These are powerful words. They have a lot to, to, to do in our life. He says, remember the words. Don't just study them. Remember them. These are a part of your life. It's as if these had been spoken directly to you. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ here. He's saying, and, and, and the apostles. Because what it means to be a Christian, is, as C.S. Lewis tells us, it means to follow the teachings of the apostles. This is what we are taught to do, to follow the teachings of the apostles. And, and uh, um, this, is, this is what we're instructed. He says, remember these words. So if you look, for example, in 2 Peter 3, 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, know this first of all, 
that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. Mockers will come with mocking, following after their own lusts. And this, is, this was the warning that Peter had given them. And now Jude is making reference to that. He says, he says that they were saying to you, in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. And, and so he is just repeating exactly what Peter had said. He's repeating it to them. He says, you need to remember what Peter warned you about. Don't be surprised that these false teachers have moved into the church. Exactly what was told to you would happen, did happen. And you see this same sort of thing in, in, uh, in John. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We'll, we'll start reading it uh, from, from, from verse 1. It says, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So Jesus is preparing them for what's going to come. He's preparing them. He says, these things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. Because there's going to be things that come upon you and you're going to be like, how can this happen? How can you let this happen to me? How can you let this happen? Haven't I tried, Lord? Haven't I really tried? And you let all this happen to me. He says, I'm telling you this to keep you from stumbling. They are going to make you outcasts from the synagogue. An hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. So how many of you, I ask, have, have, uh, have gone through an occasion where somebody has tried to kill you because of your testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ? Anybody here? Nobody. Okay, so we haven't met with all that Jesus warned us that we could go through. We haven't met with that yet. There's much more that we could go through. And, and uh, he's warning us about this, th these things. And he's telling us this. And he says he's telling us this. The, uh, um, I've spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. We are never promised a, a, a problem-free life, ever. The only thing that as believers we are guaranteed of in the scriptures, if we follow the Lord, we, we are guaranteed in this life, we are guaranteed of food and shelter. Now, it wasn't always the case. Remember, there, there, there were uh, uh, people, they were wandering around in, in caves and hills and holes in the ground, it says in, in Hebrews. But with food and shelter, the apostles have taught us, we should be content. That's the only thing that we are guaranteed in this life as believers, is food and shelter. That's the only thing we're guaranteed. And there may well come times when lots of other things that we hold dear to ourselves are no longer there. But remember, we have been warned of these things so that we, don't, we will not stumble, so that we won't stumble if these things come upon us. This is what he's talking about. And so, so this is why he's telling them in Jude, He's, he's telling them these things. He's warning them of these things. He says, it's just like you've been told to make the Word of God your daily meditation. As soon as I lead somebody to the Lord, the first thing I 
I get them to agree upon is to read the Scriptures every day, every day. And I ask them, first thing in the morning, I want you in the Scriptures. And I, I have them verbally agree with me that they will read the Scriptures every day of their lives for the first 15 minutes. Now, if they want to go more than that, that's fine. And I start them in the Gospel according to John, reading very slowly, thinking about every line, every line. This is how we are to read, meditative reading, because the Scriptures instruct us that, that uh, 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 we are, we are to, to meditate on the law of the Lord, on the Word of God, more than even reading. Reading is made reference to in several places, but generally it talks about meditating on the Word of God. That means reading it slowly, very carefully. None of this speed reading. None of this speed reading and speed reading of, of going through prayers. I don't know if you've ever heard rabbis say their prayers. It, 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 it's, it's like a, 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 a verbal contest on how quickly they can get through their prayers. I'm not kidding you. What did you just say? I mean, it's so fast because they have these prayers that they have to get through and you're wondering, where is the heart in this? You know, if, I, I'm not against liturgy. If you want to use liturgy, fine. But we had better make it a part of our lives, not just this rote reading as if somehow this is going to bring down blessing upon us. Prayers are something that come from our heart to God or else it becomes a religious practice that's devoid of all life. And this is what you see. And, and as a Jew, I speak this to the shame of my people the way they say their prayers. You will see even the way they say their prayers over a meal. And on the Shabbat, they say their prayers, and it is said so fast. And people take pride in, in how quickly they can say their prayers so that they can start eating this meal. And these are rote prayers from, 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 from their, their liturgy that they say, and, and they say it very, very fast. What he's talking about is we are to savor these words. Every word in this book is from God. Every word in this book is from God. And to the extent that liturgy is great, it's taken the exact words of God. I'm much bigger personally taking the scriptures and using those because these are the very words of God. And then taking these and speaking these back to the Lord and speaking my heart to the Lord. He says, these are the very words of God. He says, remember these words. The Word of God. This book that we have access to so freely that we have access to is an absolute treasure. Greater than any treasure that you will ever have in your life. The words of Scripture are on top of everything. They are the best in every way. The words of Scripture are the best in every way. And this is what he, he tells us to do. He says, remember these things. These things were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am going to give you this teaching, these teachings. You will remember these teachings, and this is what you are to instruct. So that when the apostles write these things and teach these things, these were the very instructions of Jesus. Paul said that he was instructed by the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And what what he was instructed, he brought to us these things. These words are the very words of our, our Lord teaching us. Verse 18, that they were saying to you in the last times there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the, the intelligent class. These are the intelligentsia of their age, the enlightened ones. These are the things that they are saying. 
He says, but here's the problem. Verse 19. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. So they are the intellectually elite, but they are devoid of the Spirit. That's the key here. They are devoid of the Spirit. Devoid of the Spirit. The Spirit isn't there in them. My colleagues in the religion department at Rice have told me that it upsets them that people come to me for religious counseling. That people should go to them because they are in the religion department. But I know why people don't go to them for religious counseling. I know because they're devoid of the Spirit. They're devoid of the Spirit. They're the intellectually elite, but devoid of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that brings life. <clears throat> it's the Spirit that does this. Look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. For to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." So look what he's saying here. He's distinguishing now between the spirit that you have in the world and the spirit of God. He is making this distinction. This isn't my distinction. This is the distinction of the Lord. He says, for to us God revealed them through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. The spirit searches even the depths of God. This is why it's so important to be saved. If you have not given your life to Jesus, you cannot take hold of these things. Because once our lives are given to the Lord, once we accept Him, and the Bible is very specific and it tells us how to do this, we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and then we will be saved. If these guys were just trying to start a new religion, they never would have put that as the requirement. This is too crazy hard to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. We have no data points on this. This is a very hard thing to believe. Yet what happens is God places that truth upon the hearts. That he himself has risen from the dead in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead physically. And this is why I see this every week. People will go from not believing in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ to believing in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ based on a, on a 30 or 40 minute conversation. How can that be? I could never convince them that, you know, Santa Claus lives in the North Pole, some jolly guy and dressed in red. 
how can I convince them of a resurrection? In fact, it's more believable that somebody dressed in red lives in the North Pole and makes presents than somebody rises from the dead. But what happens is the truth of the resurrection has been placed upon the heart of people. God places that upon the heart. And when they take hold of that, all of a sudden the Spirit moves into their life. And I know what happened in my own life. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I couldn't stop thinking about Jesus. I mean, I, in, in my dreams, I was telling people about Jesus. He says, these things, the Spirit searches even the depths of God. He says, who knows a man except the Spirit that's within him? Who knows what's really our thoughts except we ourselves, the Spirit within us? Because we all know this feeling. And for most of us, it's, it's deplorable thoughts very often. We're looking somebody right in the eye and our, our mind is going in all sorts of crazy directions about this person. And we're just so thankful that they can't read our thoughts. He says, he says that even so the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. In, in, and in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. This is the problem, he's saying, with these teachers that have moved in, these false teachers. They fundamentally don't have the Spirit of God. I've met young men in seminary that after speaking with them, I wonder if they have ever had the Spirit of God, if they've ever been saved. Just because you go to a seminary doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you grow up in a Christian home doesn't mean you've given your life to Jesus. There's a time in your life where you give your life to Jesus. Now, some people have grown up in Christian homes. They cannot remember a time when they didn't believe that Jesus was Lord, when they didn't believe that he's risen from the dead. They can't even remember such a time. This is what happens. I mean, very often you have this sort of thing. And he says, he says uh, uh, verse 14, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. There's another problem. The natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. These so-called teachers, these so-called teachers don't accept the things of the Spirit of God. It's just not there. They just don't have it. They're not accepting the things of the Spirit of God. So they're unable to bring life from the Scriptures. This is why I say over and over again, if, if you're a pastor, if you're a pastor, what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to speak from the Scriptures. You want to be able to have the truth of the Scriptures in your life. Preach the Word of God. If you need to teach a Bible study, I urge you, I urge you, use the Word of God. Teach the Scriptures. Pick up the Word of God and use that. I have no problem with using another book, but don't let that be your focus. You know, sometimes what happens is people will read a verse, and it's perfunctory. That's just to, as if, okay, I've done my duty. And then they just go telling stories. I'm telling you what people want is they want the Scriptures. This, to us, is life. They want the Word of God. Take this Word of God, and if you are going to teach a Bible study, if you're going to teach these sort of things, use the Word of God as your text and pour over it. So what you can do, <clears throat> and this I urge you to do this. Yes, you can read commentaries, but I urge you to put the commentaries away. You can read them just to give you a lay of the land. Pour over the Scriptures and say, Lord, teach me from this Word. What is the Word that these people... In this situation, these people in this class that I'm going to be teaching, what is the word that they need to hear? What's the message? And start reading the verse over and over again 
read the verses over and over again. Start asking them. Start asking the Lord, speak to me. The Bible says you do not receive because you do not ask. Say, Lord, speak to me through the scriptures and just watch. Watch what's going to happen. The Spirit of God will begin to engage with you. The Spirit of God will begin to teach you. And then you have this amazing material to share. You're thinking, what what do I have to share? I'm I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not a Bible teacher either. I mean, just, just, just a regular guy. I've never been to seminary, which infuriates a lot of people. But Now, I have taught in seminary, but I've never attended. And, uh, um, and, and so, so you take the scriptures and you pour over them. And you say, Lord, speak to me. And then read that, the verses over and over again. This passage that I'm teaching you today, <clears throat> I have read over every day this week. I've poured over this every day this week. And I said, Lord, what is the message in this? What is the message that I need to bring forth? And then the Lord begins to speak to our hearts. And I urge you to look at the scriptures in that way. Lord, teach me. Lots of people can read commentaries and go in and just mouth what the commentary says. There's no life. There's no life. I urge you to bring life from the scriptures. Now, some commentators will indeed, they'll they'll take this and they'll expand upon it. But what happens is, you think that you can now take these thoughts and now share them with other people. The power comes when these thoughts have become like your own thoughts. When the scriptures themselves have spoken to you, when you have poured yourself out over the scriptures, and that's where there's life. I urge you to get life like this. I urge you to do this, to get life like this. To get power from the scriptures. Get this life. And and, uh, he says says that... that, that, uh, uh, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So you see what happens is, these things have spiritual appraisal. The natural man can't understand it. Sometimes, you you know, new believers will go and they'll talk to their family. You, You know, I accepted Jesus. Isn't it wonderful what he did in my life? And they're like, they have no idea. They have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Because these things are spiritually appraised. These things come from the Lord. They're spiritually appraised. These things are coming from God. And the natural man cannot get these things. This is why, if you have not received the Lord in your life, these things never make sense to you. And what happens is, if you go week after week, month after month, and sometimes year after year without spending quality time in the scriptures, you become very much like the natural man. Because because you have no more ability to really hear these things well. Because you're not used to it. You're not used to it. These things come by pouring yourself out. And, and, And if you seek, you will find. If you seek, you will find. And these things take time. It's not reading a quick passage and closing the book. No way. These things take time. These things are spiritually appraised. We dig for these things. We ask God, speak to me. These things are spiritually appraised. He says, but he who is spiritual appraises all things. And so everything takes on a spiritual dimension. This is why in, in my work, I t- it takes on for me a spiritual dimension. My work in the, in the laboratory, it takes on a spiritual dimension for me. I was just on a, on a podcast this week, and they were asking me, how do I 
you know, reconcile my, my science and my faith. And, and I said, you know, to me, it is not a bifurcation. It's not like, okay, I'm going to put my scientist hat on now. No, to me, I mean, I, I see God in all of this work. And I ask God to help me when data comes to me and I can't understand it. I'm asking the Lord. I said, Lord, what does this mean? Lord, teach me from this. This is what the scriptures are talking about. These things are spiritually appraised. And so when he says in, in, Jude, in Jude verse 20, uh, um, verse 19, Jude verse 19, these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. There's a mind of the world, and then there's the mind of the Spirit. There's a mind of the world and the mind of the Spirit. It's not that we, we never learn from people in the world. It's not that. It's not that we can't learn from people in the world. We can certainly learn from people in the world. But there are things that we cannot learn from people in the world, and those are the things that are spiritually praised. He says in verse 20 of Jude, uh, verse, verse 20, he says, But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. It is a building process. I urge you, every day, every day, for 45 years, every day I've been in the Word of God. So you can't tell me it can't be done. You can't tell me. I don't receive that. I just don't receive it. And, and I, I raised four children, had a very busy job, very busy lifestyle. You can't tell me that you can't spend time in the Scriptures. I just don't believe it. Because I have the testimony of my own life. How many children have you raised? How many publications have you written? I mean, it can be done. It can be done every day in the Scriptures. Every day in the Scriptures. Do you know what every day means? Do it. He says, you build yourselves up upon your most holy faith. You build yourselves up. It is a building process. You take this seriously. It is deliberate. It is intentional. And this is what I try to get across to new believers. This is how I want you to read the scriptures. Slowly asking God to speak to you. It is very deliberate, very intentional. It is not, you know, just flipping over the book and, and sticking your finger down. It is not that at all. You take a book of the Bible and you read this all the way through, slowly, meditatively. Pick up where you left off the day before. This is what we are instructed to do. You build yourselves up. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's not just praying. It's not just mumbling a few words. Uh, um, it is in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. These words have power. These words have meaning. And if you just mumble through it, if you just mumble through it, and those of you who are from a Jewish background, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, the rapidity with which they say their prayers, the spiritual leaders among Judaism, the way they say their prayers, I think, I personally think it's a disgrace. It's just like, like a speed speaking contest. And, and uh, these things have meaning. That's why he says you do this in the Holy Spirit. This has meaning in your life. Let this affect your life. And there is power in the Word of God. There is power in prayer. You pray in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. And you cry out for your family. 
I just had two of my sons were moving across the country. One was moving from just this week from Boston to New York City. Another was moving from Kentucky to Nevada and just driving. And I am praying all the time as they're moving, Lord, protect them. Protect them in his car as they're driving. Protect, Lord, watch over them. This is what I am called to do as their parent. This is what I'm called to do. I'm crying out to God for my children. I pray that they'd get involved in good churches and good fellowships. That this sort of relationship would be built in their lives. That they would understand this. Do they always do it? No. Not as much as I would want. But I'm always praying. This is what I've been called to do. We are called to intercede on, our, on behalf of our own lives and on behalf of others' lives. This is what we're called to do. We're called to pray. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. You are so good to us. Blessed be your name. Father, I pray that you would pour out your grace in these young people's lives, that they would take hold of this word of God and take it seriously, that they would build themselves up in their most holy faith. Father, for those that don't know you, that are devoid of the Holy Spirit, who cannot even properly appraise these things, Father, I pray that you would save their souls. Lord, I pray that you would save their souls. Save their souls, O oh Lord, I pray. And Father, I pray that you would take the, the people here who have heard this and build up in them a seriousness for the Word of God, that every word in this book is true. These are God-breathed words of instruction to us and how we are to remember these words, which means they need to be placed in our heart already. Father, do this, I pray. And have mercy on these young people. Father, I pray that they would have good lives and good homes and good marriages. Father, do that in their lives, I pray. Lord, I pray that they would nurture their faith, that it would be built up and they would learn to pray in the Holy Spirit. Father, have mercy, I pray. And Lord, I commit this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.